The hand that rocks the cradle, what's the rest of it? Rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Simple statement, but really the statement itself indicates the great influence that mothers have. Washington Irving, writer dude, said, a mother's love endures through everything. Henry Ward Beecher, the mother's heart is the child's schoolroom. And then Abraham Lincoln, he famously said, all that I am is because of my angel mother. But here's another quote that he said, I remember my mother's prayers. They have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Today, we focus on Jesus, but we celebrate mothers because moms are one of the greatest influences in our life for good or for bad. Let me, let me just kind of throw this out. Bad mothers are as influential on our lives as good mothers. Bad mothers lead children to toxic places. And that's why so many people who normally gather with us on Sunday morning opt out of this day. It's hard for them to celebrate. We know that motherhood is a great influence. The Scripture tells us motherhood is a great influence. In Proverbs chapter 1, says, moms, it says, children, you and I don't despise, reject, or forget the instruction of your mother, because if you keep it, it becomes a beautiful ornament around your life. It beautifies your life. We know that the influence of mothers is great, and when it's an influence that is a picture not of perfection, but of persistence in glorifying God, it multiplies the joy of her children. This morning, I, I just want to celebrate my mother. I know not everybody had a great mother. I have a great mother, and I celebrate her. Now, my mom is not perfect, but she's closer to perfect than I thought she was when I was a teenager. <laughs> Guys, that's truth right there. That's just dropping the truth bomb. My mom's not perfect, but she is passionately and persistently, consistently, deliberately and intentionally every single day sought to lead her children to know Christ, to live for His fame and for His glory, to be productive for God's kingdom. My mama is a great woman. She survived raising four boys, and at least a couple of them are just like me. (laughs) 
Imagine me today. I'm 55 years old. I am tame compared to when I was five. My mama has done all she could and more. One of the legacies of her parenting, there are so many, one of the legacies of her parenting is knowing that every morning she gets up with my dad, she opens the Bible, she reads the Scripture, and she prays. And she prays for each one of her children and now her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And she prays for us by name. And like Abraham Lincoln, I would say, the prayers of my mother have clung to me. I know that she prays for us because growing up in my house, I could go to the cupboard. We, Mom and Dad would hide everything, but like uh, any electronic, uh, you know, any kind of instrument that was created in the 20th century, they hid they wanted their house to be like an antique. And so uh, it was one of those things that mom and dad did. What Mom didn't have posters or put posters out for anything like that, but she would write down her prayers on a legal pad. Now, for those of you who don't know what a legal pad is, let me tell you, y'all, a legal pad, for those of you who don't know, it's a lot like your notes app on your phone but it's real paper. Mom would write down her prayers on legal pad, and those prayers would be page after page after page, praying the Word of God for her children. And I would go, and I would look at those prayers, and I would be encouraged. Sometimes I would be challenged. Sometimes I would be convicted because those prayers were very pointed. And my mama prayed for me. And she believed what she was praying. Here's another thing, guys. She didn't just pray it. She believed it. When she prayed it, she prayed with the confidence and the comfort that what she was praying for her children, God would take and he would work good for his children, for her children, and for his glory. She believed that and she believes it today. I'm thankful for my mother who paved the way for me to walk, not perfectly by any stretch, but to walk persistently in the pathway of God. And I know not everybody has mamas like that, but I want to celebrate my mother today. And she sparked in me, along with my father, she sparked in me a desire to live heroically. Yeah, I think that's baked into the DNA of us all. I believe every person here has a desire to live heroically. You want uh, to be the hero. You, you want to be courageous. You want to be bold. You don't want to be a shrinking shadow in the midst of conflict. You want to stand strong and firm. I believe that's baked into the DNA of every person here. I believe God baked that into our DNA. We want to be heroic. My mother displayed how to live heroically every single day. My mom didn't have a perfect life. My mom had challenges of her own, and she still has challenges today. 
But she lives an heroic life because she has an heroic faith. Turn in your copy of Scripture to Hebrews chapter 11. I want us to take a moment and look at a few verses in Hebrews chapter 11 and see how that we can have an heroic faith that leads to an heroic life for the glory of God, for the good of our families, for the benefit of the church. How can we live in such a way that we would have our names written in the hall of faith? The hall of faith is Hebrews chapter 11, and the writer of Hebrews, God himself, takes us on a journey of looking at heroes who lead us forward in faithful obedience to God. Heroes, through the, uh, through the story of God's redemptive plan, heroes who uh, led the way, not perfectly, but persistently in following after God. And, and so I want us to take a moment and just look at heroic faith described in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's, let's begin in verse 1. Now, faith, he defines faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders or those older people who've gone before us, the generations previous to us. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, but rather by the Word of God. Verse 4. Now, he talks about these people in Scripture. Everybody look here before we go any further. None of the people he talks about in Hebrews chapter 11 had it all together. Not one was perfect. Many were flawed in significant ways, just like Eric Thomas, just like you. And yet they made it into this hall of fame for their faith. And I think just their names written in this chapter give us confidence that we can walk in such a way to have faith as they had faith so that we would have our names writ in this hall of fame of faith. All right, so let's look. Verse 4, by faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For uh, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, and underline verse 6, mark it. Verse 6 is key. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs 
with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, verse 11, we'll lean into verse 11 too. Uh, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Now, past the age there, let's just take a moment. Past the age, that's not in your 30s, that's not in your 40s, that's not in your 50s, but for Sarah, she was in her 80s. So when it says she bore a child when she was past her age, it means that there was something miraculous took place. When she gave birth, it, it, it happened after menopause had taken place. And if you don't know what that is, hold on. (laughs) She bore a child. She bore, amen. It's kind of hot in here, isn't it? Turn on the air conditioning. (laughs) She bore a child when she was past the age. I'm getting looks on the front row. That's my family. I'm in trouble. (laughs) She judged, she, she bore a child when she was past the age, and here's why. Because she judged that God was faithful who had made the promise. Let's just stop there and, and, and let's, just, let's just take a moment. And what, what we're going to do is I want us to look at some um, principles that we find in this passage. And then how do we get hold of these principles for ourselves? Okay? So first, let's look at the principles. Uh, look, if you're a mama... It's hard. I'm reminded, I'm reminded today um, because I have a granddaughter, her name is, and I have another granddaughter and her name is Lucy. I'm reminded how challenging it can be to have two under the age of three all at the same time. And I watch my daughter, Elizabeth, care for those children and navigate the, the ups and downs and the tough times. Look, she is just hanging on as best she can, like we all did during that time. But she's hanging on, and she's pressing through, and, and, and it's hard. It's hard. Mamas, mamas don't sleep. They just uh, close their eyes uh, for a season. It's not sleep. It's, it's, it's waking up and, and feeding and, and changing and doing all things. And the best husband in the world, the best husband in the world can't take the place of a mama, especially during that season. So, uh, I, I'm reminded how hard it is. Look, all these people that, that ladies, all these mamas that you see on TikTok with their perfect filter and their perfect little life, it is fake. It is a myth. It's not reality. So don't aspire to that. How how can you press on in the midst of the challenges of motherhood? Mamas, I I don't want to distress you any, but uh, the challenges change, but the challenges don't get any easier. Newborn babies are tough. Can I, can I tell you toddlers are tough? Teenagers, they're tough. 
But Edie and I have come to the conviction that there ain't anything tougher than parenting adult children. Because I can't tell any of them what to do. They don't have to listen to me. It's hard. There's no carrot and there's no stick. All I can do is give counsel. There's no way to control their lives in a healthy way. Let me say that again. There's no way to control their lives in a healthy way. All we can do is give counsel. Parenting changes. It doesn't get any easier. So how can we press on through parenthood? Moms, how can you press on through motherhood and find joy every day, live in hope every day, Find strength to navigate the ups and the downs. How can you do it? Follower of Jesus, how can you live a life with confidence and strength every single day? Regardless what things happen to you, and there are going to be things happen to you. There are going to be things happen to you this week. There are going to be bad things happening to you this week. It's not because I'm planning it. Yeah, thank you for getting that over here. I appreciate it. Bad things happen because that's what happens when you're alive. There are going to be bad things happening to you, and the question is, how do you find confidence, courage, and strength when bad things are happening? Follower of Jesus, how can you be heroic and live for God's fame and honor and glory and enjoy it even when lions and tigers and bears are after you. How does that happen? It happens through faith. Faith. Now, faith uh, is defined in verse 1. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We'll break that down in just a second. Uh, If I could give just kind of a simple definition of faith without the Bible words, faith is... um, Uh, Confident obedience to God, regardless the circumstances or consequences. It's 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 a it it is a deliberate, willful. I'm going to wake up today, and I'm going to do what God wants. That's what faith looks like. That's heroic faith. So often we, and if you listen to different people and they talk about faith or you get on TikTok and you have little, little doodads about faith, so often the way faith is described is some ineffable kind of mysterious um, kind of, uh, uh, oh, it's just, it's out there. It's faith, faith, faith. There's no solidity to it. The Bible describes faith as confident obedience to God. If you believe that you have faith in God, but you're not obeying God, you don't have faith. Okay? And this is important because we want the feeling that faith in God delivers without the function that obedience demands. We, we, want, we want the feeling, but we don't want the work. And if we're going to have faith, if we're going to have heroic faith, it is work. It is work, and God, by His grace, awakens in us this courageous confidence to, uh, to obey God. But, but friends, you don't, you're not exhibiting faith in God if you're not obeying God. 
Every example in Hebrews chapter 11 is an example of people who lived for God's pleasure. So, here's some principles, all right? So, the first principle, faith, um, faith gives a calm courage or calm confidence to live for God's pleasure, uh, to live for God's promise. It gives you a calm confidence to, to live for God's promise. Now, God makes promises in the Bible, right? A, a, a promise that we would do on Mother's Day or Father's Day, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I, y'all know that one? That one's in Proverbs. It was quoted as if it were an absolute truth. It's not an absolute truth. It's, it, it's a way, the way things should go. Uh, but uh, other promises, uh, we know that he works together for the good, for those who are the called according to his purpose, right? He, uh, we, we, uh, another, promise, uh, another promise is, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's a, that's a promise. A promise is, uh, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And when we come boldly before the throne of grace, we are going to receive from Jesus the grace and the mercy that we need to help. There are promises throughout Scripture. The promise is, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, if I will delight myself in the law of the Lord and meditate on His law day and night, then I'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever He does shall prosper. Okay, so, so there are promises in God's Word. Faith is where I believe with a persistent, never-say-die kind of belief that God will fulfill His promise. Can I tell you ultimately what God's promise is throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation? The promise of God is Himself. We want it to, it, it, it's not uh, in one, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, the, uh, the substance of things hoped for. Well, the hope for substance that we're looking for is not a, a mansion on a hill. It's not a new car to drive. It's not a boat in the water. It's not a, a bucket full of fish when I go. It is one thing. It is God Himself. The substance of things hoped for is God and all He provides. Look, if our goal is something other than God, we're not exhibiting faith. We're making a Santa Claus wish list. So when we look at Hebrews 11, we need to understand, he's saying, here's here's what faith does. Faith connects us to the living God and all the reward that he provides. Faith connects us to the living God so that when we are connected to the living God, guess what? I'm okay. No matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what uh, uh, circumstances turn toward my bad and not my good, I'm okay. Why? Because I'm walking with God. I have calm confidence and courage in the face of anything that comes my way because I'm hand in hand with the living God who made the worlds by His Word, verse 2, 3. And and so, here we are. We can live today 
with calm courage and confidence, not because we said a secret mantra, not because we have some spiritual uh, secret language, religion, pursuit that we have, but we can live in calm confidence because we have faith in the God who created the universe, and we are connected to Him by faith in Jesus Christ. Today, friends, we want to have calm courage and confidence in crazy. We're in the middle of crazy. Do you know we're in the middle of crazy? We are in, we, what a time to be alive. We're in the midst of crazy. Socially, culturally, economically, in America, it's crazy. So let me ask you a question. Are you living more by angst or by faith? If you're living more by angst, it's because, perhaps, the object of your faith is something other than the God who created the worlds with His Word. When the object of our faith is the God who created the worlds with His Word, when He is the object of our faith, and we believe that He will be true to His promise, and His promise produces good, then angst can't win in that environment. Angst, anxiety is starved in that environment. So we, we need to live by this principle. Faith gives calm, courage, confidence in God's promise. And for us, some, it is a battle every day, right? I mean, some of us were built in such a way that angst is our default. You know what I'm talking about, Right? Do, do you know what I'm talking Some of you? Angst is our default. Anxiety is our default. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. We can't do anything about it. The sky's falling. I'm chicken little every single day. And, and, and I'm not making light of that. I'm saying that's the way some of us are wired. And so it takes extra work, extra faith, heroic faith to awaken in us this calm confidence. We'll talk about how to awaken that in a second. All right, so faith gives calm courage, confidence, in, in, to, uh, to live for God's promise. By the way, God's promise is always for the good of, it, of His people and His glory. Now, God's promise is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's Himself. And so as long as I'm taking hold of God by faith, then I'm going to walk in the good. Doesn't mean everything that I want is going to happen. You're not materializing things with a word of your power, but rather you're resting in the word of God's power to materialize the good for you as He sees fit. Does that make sense? I just don't want anybody to think that you can somehow work this equation and get stuff that you want because you want it. Because the goal is not your pleasure. The goal is verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He goes on, uh, uh, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here's the equation. When I am faithful to diligently seek him, the only way we can diligently seek him, the only way we can diligently seek him is by obeying him. Obeying him is the substance of faith. 
The power to obey him comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the benediction that we, uh, that we say over each other at the end of each gathering this year is, uh, now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe that the Spirit of God resides within us empowers us, equips us, moves us, corrects us by the Word of God. And the Word of God teaches us so that we can be thoroughly equipped for everything that we might face. So if we're going to soar, if we're going to be heroic, if we're going to, if we're going to have uh, courageous confidence, we must live in alignment with God's Word to please God and the only way it takes place is through faith in God, given to us by Christ, applied to us by the Spirit of God. All right. So, faith gives calm confidence uh, in the midst of God's promise. Uh, uh, there was a time when I was in uh, uh, third grade or fourth grade, I, I, was, uh, uh, um, I, I wasn't in the Christmas play, but I was recruited to be in the Christmas play uh, because... Um, that somebody got sick. And so they came to me and they said, would you be the angel? Now, I don't know why they asked me to be the angel. Probably because they knew my dad was a pastor. Probably. It wasn't because of my behavior. So they asked me to be the angel. And I've got to tell you, I was, I, I don't get nervous a lot, but I was nervous because I, I, it was day of. And they asked me. And so they wanted me to recite Luke chapter 2, right? Like Linus does on Charlie Brown Christmas. They wanted me to recite Luke chapter 2. And, and so, I, I was nervous, and mom and dad had something going on, and I don't know what they had going on, but they were like, well, you know, we can't, it was probably a church social with casseroles and stuff, but They couldn't, they, they couldn't be there. And so, so man, I'm, I'm sweating it. I, the school was right across the street from where, I, where we lived. And so, I, I got my, my little white robe, and I walked across the way, and I went up there, and, and, and it was time for me to go out and say, uh, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You'll see the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly the sky was filled with a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, and on, on earth peace, good will toward men. Okay. But I, did, I didn't have those words. I, I taped them to my sleeve. So here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I, I, I'm trying to go, and I was, I was messing up, I was a nervous wreck, and I looked out, and I saw my mom. She was there. And I thought, it's going to be okay. Whether I do good or bad, my mom's there. And she's going she's gonna to encourage me. That's the way it is with God for us. If, no matter what it is you're going to face, no matter what it is, 
today understand if you are a follower of Jesus and you demonstrate faith in God, He will give you calm confidence and courage to live for His promise because you're living in His presence. So that's the first principle. Faith gives calm confidence or courage to live for God's promise, but also faith gives us strength to live for God's pleasure. I've already read verse 6. Verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. I don't want you to miss this, so I'm going to repeat it again. If you say you have faith in God, but you're not obeying God, what you're doing is not faith. I'm not talking about eternal destiny here. I'm talking about daily living for followers of Jesus. If you say you have faith in God, but you're not obeying God, revealed in His Word, if you're, if you're ignoring the Bible to live your own way, you're not demonstrating faith in God. You're demonstrating something less. Faith is the confident obedience to God. So, what, that's why it's impossible to please God without faith. Because faith leads to obedience. Faith leads to courageous obedience. Now, we want to please God. Again, as followers of Jesus, you want to please God. Uh, all of us, all of us in our house, we want to please Edie. It, it, and this isn't a joke. This is the way we're built. This is the way we're made. Uh, as, as the husband to Edie, my wife, I want to please her. Our children, as they were growing up in our home, they want to please their mother. That's the way it's built. That's the way family structure's built. In the family structure that God establishes, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus and become part of the family of God, He, he wires us to live for His pleasure, to obey Him, to please Him. We want to make God smile. We want to do that. Because of Jesus, we don't have any condemnation, but also because of Jesus, we have a commitment to live for God's pleasure, to obey Him. Now, look at verse 6. Now, the scenario here is Sarah is about 80. Abraham is even older. God said to Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. And through that son, the heir, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. All right? So that's the promise. So here is Sarah sitting at eight decades thinking to herself, how's this going to happen? Right? How's this going to happen? Now, this is the same Sarah that laughed at God making such a claim. This is the same Sarah who gave Abraham a substitute that wasn't a good, a, a, a real substitute for God's promise. But somewhere between Sarah's mockery and this verse, we see that Sarah, along with Abraham, found faith. There's a lot that goes into that kind of faith. For a woman eight decades old to have a baby, there's a lot that goes into that woman becoming a mother. And it's all miraculous, every part of it. That faith to please God 
demanded crazy obedience. But here's the equation. For you and for me, now verse 11 says that, that uh, Sarah, even Sarah received power from God to conceive. Why? Because she believed that he who promised could deliver. Today, the equation for us is this. God has the power. God has the power to awaken a womb. God has the power to uh, uh, give sight to the blind. God has the power to heal broken limbs. God has the power to uh, restore uh, uh, vitality to your life. God has the power. God has the power to call death out of the grave and roll away a stone and give new life. God has the power. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is going to deliver what he promised. God is going to deliver what he promised. So the equation is God is powerful and God is faithful. God is great and God is good. That's it. God is great and God is good. God is powerful and God is faithful. Now what do we do? We must believe. We must exercise faith. Uh, a preacher from a long time ago, a guy named Andrew Bonar, said it this way. He said, he said, God's part is to put forth power. Our part is to put forth faith. Again, faith here is not some ineffable, weird kind of uh, super spiritual secret kind of thing. Faith here is I will obey God. That's faith. Faith is stepping forward in obedience even when it looks like there's no step to hold me. It is continuing forward. I'm going to continue forward. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to do what God wants. I'm going to do what he says to do. I will continue. And when we are faith-filled, we will be faithful. Full to the one who has the power to fulfill his faithful promise to us. But we must obey. So, the strength we need to stand in the impossible circumstances of everyday life comes when we believe that he who is faithful will deliver. And so, we are going to obey him. We're going to step forward, and we're going to trust him. We're going, to, we're going to believe that he is going to do what he says he'll do. He is going to walk with us, and we are going to walk with him. So these two principles, faith uh, gives us calm courage and confidence to live for God's promise, and faith gives us the strength we need to live for, uh, uh, live for God's pleasure that's what awakens in us heroic living for God's glory. So how do we get hold of that kind of faith? That's just two things. And I'm talking to followers of Jesus, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, how can you have the faith that gives you calm confidence and strength? How can you have that kind of faith? That's where Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 come in. Hebrews chapter 12 
after giving all this hall of fame of faith, of ordinary imperfect followers of God, he then in verse 1 of chapter 12 says, now here's what we need to do. This is what all they did, now here's what we need to do. So if we're going to have heroic faith that leads to heroic living for the glory of God and the good of us, how do we get there? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, seeing then that we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What must we do? We must set our gaze on Jesus. That means that for many of us, we need to reorient the way we begin our day, the way we walk through our day. For many of us, we start doom scrolling on our phone or on the television set. We start doom scrolling uh, all the bad news and all the terrible things and all the terrible crazies that's going on. We doom scroll and then we wonder why we are so fearful and anxious. Instead of doom scrolling, what we need to do is we need to take the Word of God, sit down, with the Spirit of God, and set our focus on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We need to set our gaze on Jesus. We, he's the author of our faith. He's the one that awakens faith in us. So we need to go to Him every day, say, God, give me the faith that I need to make it through the crazy that I'm going to face. Mamas, you need, you need to spend time with Jesus before you take on the battles of the day that you've got in front of you. We need to spend time with Jesus. Open the Word of God. Let Jesus be the focus, not just at the beginning of the day, but throughout the day. The writer of Hebrews said, here's what we're going to do. If we're going to run the race heroically, we need to set our gaze on Jesus. He's the author of our faith. He is the trailblazer of our faith. He is the finisher, the culmination of our faith. Set your gaze on Jesus, and you will find the courage, the confidence, and the strength you need to walk in the pleasure of God and live in the promises of God. Set your gaze on Jesus. But not only should we set our gaze on Jesus, the second thing we've got to do is we need to lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily ensnares us. Again, this is part of obedience. Part of obedience, part of living for God's pleasure so that we can walk in God's promise. Part of obedience, part of faith is acknowledging that I have sinned. And my sin is a barrier between me and experiencing the strength and the comfort and the confidence that I need. You've got sin, I've got sin, all of us got sin that we need to turn from and let go. Look, where sin dominates, fear conquers. The reason so many followers of Jesus are living such fearful, fear-filled lives is because you're not letting go the sin. You're not laying aside the weight that so easily ensnares. We must repent our sin, turn from our sin. Sometimes our sin is simply a lack of faith. <laughs> it's crazy. We get in this cycle. Well, I just don't believe God's going to do that. We don't say it like that because we're good Baptists, but 
that's what we, I don't believe God's going to do that. Today, we want to live heroic lives. Today, we want to walk into what's hardwired into who we are. We want to be heroic. We want to have strength. We want to have confidence. We want to have courage in the face of all that comes our way. But the way we get there is through faith. Faith gives us the courage to live for God's promise. It gives us the strength to live for God's pleasure. So set your gaze upon Jesus. Today, uh, in our house, there is the queen, and her name is Edie. And she has sacrificed and given herself wholeheartedly, poured into her children and into her family. She has overwhelmed us with love. She set the path for us in love. Not perfectly, but persistently. Today, we set her in the seat of honor, and we honor her. As followers of Jesus, we need to set Jesus in the seat of honor and keep him there every single moment of every single day. And if we do that, he will spark and awaken in us the faith we need to please God and to live in the promise. We'll find strength and confidence and courage. Let's pray. God, right now, I just ask you to do amazing, miraculous things among us, that you would take your word, apply it specifically to our hearts. I thank you for the mothers that are here and those who are uh, living through the loss of a mom or uh, perhaps struggling through the reality of motherhood, Um, those who are suffering through uh, infertility uh, and, and all the, all the triggers that can happen on a day like today. God, I pray first that you would draw each one to yourself in a way that awakens in them courage and strength, that they would trust you, that they would trust you in the uncertainty or in the uh, disappointments, that they would trust you more than anything else, that they would trust you. And then in trusting you, they would find the strength that they need, that they would find the courage that they need and the confidence they need. Father, I pray that you would walk with each of us and that we would bring you pleasure, that we would honor you and live for your fame, that we would live heroic lives because we exhibit heroic faith. 